Can you take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of John, chapter 5? We're going to read from verses 1 down through 7. I'm reading to you from the King James Version. It says this, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel of the Lord went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no one when the water is troubled to put me in the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. And we're going to stop there. Father God, we pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. I pray that there would not be any distractions, any hindrances to us receiving what you would have for us today. We just ask for you to speak very clearly and concisely to us. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I believe that there's a number of reasons why John, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was led to include this account in his record of the Gospels. A portion of that reason would be to show people the miraculous power of God and his ability to intervene in people's lives just miraculously and bring healing. He simply, in a few moments, Jesus is going to say to this guy who's been laying there for 38 years, He's going to say, rise up, take up your mat and walk. And this dude who's been spent 38 years in this difficult condition is going to stand up, grab his mat, and he's going to walk off. Something it was impossible for him to do before. Also, if we understand John's purposes for writing, we would also understand that John's laying out for us the steps that the Jewish leaders took in their desire to kill Jesus. Here Jesus heals a guy on the Sabbath day, and it bothers them so much that they determine in their heart, I'm going to kill him. They didn't stop and say, oh my goodness, you know, here's Fred, and for 38 years, Fred's not been able to walk. Oh my goodness, for 38 years, Fred's been lame or paralyzed and couldn't do anything for himself. They didn't say that. They were simply upset. They were jealous of Jesus. And they were upset that he would heal on the Sabbath day. I want to take you back there. Jesus goes to the pool of Bethesda. And John says that there was a great multitude of impotent folk. They were people who were broken. They were people who were desperate. Have you ever seen some of our inner cities? Have you ever seen the homeless people? This is the group of people who would have been hanging out here would have been in some ways compared to the people in our inner cities, the homeless folks who they're hanging out on corner. There's a lot of brokenness that you see there. When we were in Maryland, our church had a, the family in our church had a ministry to the homeless. And you would go down there and you would see just the brokenness of humanity. 
um, just really some really nice people, some good people, but their lives were broken. Well, you would have came here as you'd have seen this pool, and there were, and what it made me think of it is whenever we went down sometimes to help them feed, and they would go to the federal building down in downtown Baltimore. You know, it was this big government building, and all the homeless people would be laying around there on the weekend, and they would come out and feed hundreds of people. What you would have seen here is you would have seen this pool, and it had five porches around it, and there were lame people laying there. And there were blind people laying there. And, and there would be people who were crippled and people who were paralyzed on one side. Now, the thing about this pool, according to Scripture, is that at a certain time, not all the time, it doesn't say if it was once a week, it doesn't tell us if it was once a month, if it was once a year, but at a certain time, an angel of the Lord would come down, the waters would be troubled. And it says that the first person who got in the water when the waters were troubled would be healed. These folks were waiting for something to happen. And whenever you take a look at the pool, you could see the havoc that sin has brought upon humanity. Do you realize that before sin entered the world, there's no record of sickness? That before sin entered, there were no birth defects? There were no disease. There was no infirmity before sin entered the world. Now, we're not saying because a child's born with like six fingers. We're not saying that that you sin. That's not what it says. But as a result of sin entering the world, sickness and disease entered the world as well. It affects mankind physically. Sin affects man physically. And whenever you stand and look at this pool of Bethesda, you would see the effects of sin all around, and it was very evident. The sin was everywhere. These folks were, not that they were sinners because they were sick. It's simply that sin affects us. We understand that, right? You know, they asked Jesus, Jesus, who sinned, the blind man? Did he sin or his parents? And Jesus said, neither, but that God might be glorified, okay? These people were waiting for something to happen. They were waiting for the water to be troubled because they were powerless to do anything about their particular situation. If you're blind in that day, what could you do if you're blind? If in that day you were born without a limb, if you're born crippled, if you're born missing a portion of your body, what can you do about that? But they were waiting in anticipation that perhaps the waters would be troubled. And every once in a while, as we said, the water would be troubled and the first person who got in was healed. Jesus came on the scene, and when he comes on the scene, somehow, evidently he was walking through the area, and maybe he purposely went there. When he went there, his eyes focused in upon one guy. And that's what he does all the time. In the midst of thousands of people, he has the ability to focus in upon you. Isn't that incredible? Isn't it nice when you're the one? Now, I know a lot of us don't like to be picked out or we don't want to be embarrassed in the crowd. But isn't it nice when somebody notices you? Isn't it nice when you know that they see you and that they recognize you and that they're glad to see you? And and that's what Jesus did. His eyes focused in upon this one man. And for 38 years, this man had been laying there. Jesus asked him one simple question. He didn't say, so hey, 
How about the Eagles? Didn't say anything about them. He didn't say, what do you think of Albert Pujols making $254 million? He didn't ask him about that. He didn't ask him what he thought about the debates. He simply asked him one question. He said, do you want to be whole? Do you want to be whole? Now, that to me, sometimes, that kind of sounds like a stupid question. Do I want to be whole? I'm laying here. What do you think? (laughs) Yeah, I'd like to be whole. Sometimes Jesus asks us questions that in the natural we think, well, that's a dumb question. Of course I want to be whole. But the guy doesn't answer him. The guy doesn't say yes or no. He doesn't say, yeah, please heal me. He doesn't say no. He goes into an explanation as to all of the reasons why he's still in the situation that he's in. And I think that's important. I think that's why Jesus had to ask him, do you want to be whole? Because he comes up with this explanation. He says, well, I don't have anybody to help me. No one will help me. I've been laying here all this time and, and nobody will help me. Nobody will put me in the pool. While I'm trying to get there, somebody else jumps in ahead of me. I, Jesus, yeah, I, he, he doesn't say yes. He just says, he explains to him the reason why he's still in the situation that he's in. I think they call those things excuses. In some ways, I think we call some of those things blame. Nobody will help me. No one's there for me. Nobody cares for me. Somebody else always gets ahead of me. I'm always overlooked. Well, brother, you're not overlooked today. Huh? Jesus picked him out. And you may say, I'm always overlooked. Someone always gets ahead of me. Today's your day, my friend. Today, the Lord is saying to you, do you want to be whole? Now, some of you may say this. And in just a few moments, Jesus says to him, well, then take up your mat and walk. Jesus doesn't explain why people overlooked him. Jesus doesn't pity him and feel sorry for him because for 38 years, he's been laying there. Jesus simply says, hey, dude, Get up and walk. Well, now, can you imagine the guy? He would probably, the natural tendency would say, well, if I could get up and walk, I would walk. But Jesus gave him the ability to stand up and to walk. And just the, the speaking of his word, Jesus made him whole. Some of you may say, well, how does this relate? I thought you were, wait a minute. This is December 11th. And we're supposed to be talking about Christmas pretty soon. And you know what? Not only are we supposed to be talking about Christmas, but we've been talking about relationships. We've been talking about relationships for a while. Well, I want you to understand this. Just as people have experienced the devastating effects of sin, the fall of man, on their physical bodies, people also experienced the devastating effects of the fall of man, the devastating effects of sin emotionally and relationally as well. Whenever sin entered the world, it drastically changed everything. 
just think for a moment. Jesus was always, you know, the scripture says that Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. And whenever sin entered in, what was Adam doing? God came looking for him. Adam's hiding. Before Adam's walking around, strutting around, now he's naked. You're like, come on, dude, get some clothes on. He wasn't embarrassed. But shame, shame entered the world. Adam didn't know shame. He didn't know what it was like to feel ashamed or embarrassed. He didn't know what it was like to experience guilt or remorse or sorrow or disappointment. He didn't know any of that until sin entered the world. And then Adam is ashamed and he's afraid and he hides himself from God. I want to say this to you. It's hard to have healthy, life-giving relationships when there is so much brokenness and dysfunction in people's lives. When Jesus walked by the pool of Bethesda, he could look at people and, and you could look at people and you could see the arm that shriveled up. You could see the guy who was born without a leg or maybe his ankles were deformed. You could see the person who had fallen maybe as a child and broken a bone in their body and, and back then they didn't have the medical abilities to, to necessarily that we have today to fix things. And so you could see that person dragging their foot for the rest of their life or the person with palsy or, or you could easily see the person who was born without any eyes. You can see what well, the dude's blind. But there is a brokenness. There are effects of sin that impact people's lives today that you can't always see with the visible eye. It reveals itself eventually, but a lot of times when you first see them, you can't see it because it's not something that's outward. It's not something that's easily seen with our eyes. Just like Jesus walked in and he saw the crippled and the blind and the paralyzed and the lame. Can I be honest with you today? Whenever Jesus walks into churches across America, he sees a lot of brokenness. He sees a lot of ruined lives. He sees a lot of people who are emotionally crippled and emotionally lame. And you may not be able to see it with your physical eyes, but the problem whenever we interact together, it begins to reveal itself. There's a lot of dysfunction in our lives today. There's a lot of dysfunction in the church. And not just Lighthouse, the church of Jesus Christ. There is so much brokenness. Wait a minute, I accepted Jesus. I thought everything would be taken care of. There's a lot of healing that people need in their lives. There is so much healing that people need. You may say, well... You see, sin has had a devastating effects on the mind and the emotions of mankind. This brokenness is rampant in the church. And I believe it's the reason for many relationship issues and problems that people experience. How is it possible? I mean, just think about it. How is it possible for unhealthy, dysfunctional, broken people to have healthy relationships unless God starts to work and bring healing in their lives. See, dysfunctional and broken people have dysfunctional and broken relationships. 
And then here's the problem. We don't want to say that we are broken. We don't want to say that at times our relationships are dysfunctional. We don't want to say at times that there's stuff in our lives that has affected us so very deeply. Because if we do, the thing is, I think a lot of times we don't have the courage to say that. Because then there's something wrong with me. Well, can I just tell you there is something wrong with me? I was born in sin. I was shaped in iniquity. But God has redeemed me. And even though God has redeemed us, there are still issues in our lives that we need Christ to sanctify. It's that work of God's sanctifying, that refining work of God's spirit at work in our lives, where he changes us from the inside out. What do you mean by that? This is what I mean. I mean that you and I bring the devastating effects of sin, of our brokenness, into every single relationship that we have. We bring insecurities. We bring selfishness. Some of us are very competitive. Why are we so competitive? Because inside, we don't feel at times like we're enough. And so we have to prove something to somebody else that I'm of value and I'm of worth. Why? It may be the fact that your parents lack the ability to express their true love for you. It may be the fact that you were abandoned, that you were rejected, that you were abused in some way, that you suffered the consequences of sin. You see, as we said last week, if you've betrayed somebody else, if you've cheated somebody else, then you go through life typically thinking that everybody's out to cheat you. You ever notice that? It's funny. I know businessmen who got their start, they cheated and they stole And you know what really upsets them? When someone cheats or steals from them. And they're always watching over their employees thinking that somehow their employee is going to cheat them. Somehow their employee is going to steal from them. Why? Because of their own brokenness. If you've lied about somebody else, if you've hurt somebody else, then you're going to go through life with those lenses on. Do you remember when you go to the eye doctor? And at first they bring down that, whatever it's called, in front of you to look through. They bring it down, they put it in front of you, and like they set it there the first time, your eyes are like, oh boy. And then they start clicking. Click, 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 click. Ah. You can start to see more clearly. And then they ask you this question. Which is better? One or two? A or B? And then they do it like really, really fast. And I think sometimes they're just trying to play games with you. And sometimes I'm just like, well, I don't know. Which is better, one or two? A or B? One or two? Two or three? B or C? And I'm just like, can you go back? Because sometimes I feel like I'm lying to them because I'm not really sure which one is better. It's kind of hard to see. But you and I are going to go through life viewing life through certain lenses. You're going to view life through the glasses that have been handed to you. So if you grew up in a home where your parents loved you and cared for you, where you had a pretty positive self-image about yourself, you're going to see it through that lens. If you grew up in a situation where people neglected you, if you grew up in a place where maybe people lied to you or people lied about you or they deceived you, then you're going to see life through those lenses. 
It's just the way that it is. If somehow you were rejected, then you're going to view life through that lens. If somehow you were overlooked or forgotten, you're going to view life through that lens. We bring with us that selfishness, competitive sense of rejection, low self-esteem, pride, arrogance, self-centeredness. We bring our experience and the pain of the past into every relationship that we have. And we wonder why we can't get along. Well, can I be honest with you? Some of us are lucky that we just don't kill people. All right? Some of you, you know, you're married, you're just fortunate. Guys, you're just fortunate she hasn't killed you yet. Run you over with the car. Now, because we come into relationships with brokenness. It's just the reality of life. James 4 says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Now, I've been in pastoral ministry for over 22 years. I found that the issues that many people deal with, oftentimes they're not spiritual in nature. Now, wait, understand what I'm saying. A lot of the issues that people are dealing with are not that they don't love Jesus. It's not that they don't love Jesus. It's not that they don't want to do maybe the right thing. Oftentimes, it's that they are not emotionally whole. This leads to fights and quarrels and divisions. They have all of these insecurities and all of this brokenness that they bring into relationship. And oftentimes, they project that on you. Let's just be honest. Sometimes church people are just a little crazy. But here's the thing. We have wrong ways of looking at things. We have distorted ways of looking at things. So don't get upset and don't be offended. Just know the truth and the truth will set you free. The problem sometimes is we project things upon other people. We carry with us these insecurities or these fears or this brokenness and we put it upon other people or we expect other people to fill in all of the gaps in our lives. We expect a a husband to satisfy all of these needs in our lives or a, a wife to satisfy all of these needs or a child. All I need is another child and it'll satisfy all the needs in my life. And then you're up at like three o'clock in your morning. I mean, isn't it true? We think it's, I know what I need. I, I need a better job. And if I just had a job, if I just, God, if I just had a job, a better job, And you get your job and you're like, man, this is like killing me. I just need friends. And and you you get friends and, and you find out that there's some things, friend, that only God can touch. There's some things that only God can heal. There's some areas in our lives. And I'm going to say this. If we are embarrassed or ashamed, if we're embarrassed or ashamed to say that we're broken, then you're probably not going to get much healing. Some of you, if we go around this room, some of you have experienced and seen some incredibly devastating things. Things that you wonder, how does that person, how can they even sleep at night? It's no wonder that you have trouble sleeping. 
It's no wonder that your mind doesn't race all the time. But for us to deny and blame somebody else for our brokenness does not get us anywhere. We think it does. Well, it's my wife. If she would just understand. It's my husband. If he would just understand. It's my kids. If they would just understand. Nobody appreciates me. All of these responses that we have. Jesus said to the lame man, he said this, Will thou be whole? And I believe he says the same thing to you today. Do you want to be whole? It's hard to believe, but not everybody wants to be whole. For some people, this is the identity that they have taken on. I'm a victim. That's the way they see themselves. That's the way they view themselves. And that's who they've become comfortable being. Because... If I'm a victim, I don't have to take responsibility for my own actions. If I'm a victim, it's somebody else's fault. I always have somebody else to blame every fear or insecurity or difficulty on if I'm a victim. If it's your fault, then I don't ever have to take responsibility. I don't ever have to look at myself because all I ever have to do is look at you. Friend, I think the Lord would say to you today, Would you like to be whole? Do you want to be whole? No, some people don't want to be. Someone's going to get offended today. Here's what we're going to have. In a church this size, we're going to have somebody who gets offended and say, Pastor, you don't understand what I've been through, and we're going to have someone else who gets free. You decide what you want to be. But we'll be here. I'll be here next year, and probably in a year or so down the road, we're going to speak another message, and it'll be just like this. And some of you are going to be stuck in your rut that you're in, and you're going to be blaming other people, and it's your choice. And somebody else is going to remember back to December 11th, 2011, and say, that's the day God set me free. That's the day I, my eyes were opened, and I began to see that God wants to, and God has the ability to heal the brokenness in my life. Perhaps some of the problems that you experience in relationships with others and with yourself. See, it's one thing to have a problem with others, and you can just kind of get away from them. You can change jobs or move out of the neighborhood. The problem is, is when we have a problem with ourselves, Because, like, I can't get away from me. As much as you try, you can't get away from yourself. And that's part of the reason why people do drugs and alcohol and all these things as a way to escape themselves and escape their situations. But may I suggest to you that the problems you're experiencing in relationship, that some of it's because of the baggage that you carry with you. Perhaps no one's had the courage to tell you that yet. Well, put a capital C on my chest today, Mr. Courage. Perhaps no one's told you that. No, it's my mother-in-law. She's a jerk. Well, that may be true. No, it's my boss. He's a jerk. Well, that may be true. No, it's my spouse. They're the jerk. No, it's the church person that's sitting beside me. They're the jerk. Well, eventually, let me just say something to you. No, it's you, pastor. You're the jerk. Well, that may be true. I very well may be true, but I'm going to tell you something. There comes a certain point in our lives where it's no longer important to assign blame. 
So you're not there. If you are still wanting to assign blame, you're not there. You may as well turn me off and leave early because you're not there yet. If you still want to blame somebody, you haven't suffered enough yet. Evidently, you haven't had enough pain. You've not come to the place. You're not ready yet. But there comes a point in our lives when we say, I really don't care about assigning blame anymore. I just want to be whole. I don't care whose fault it was. I don't care to point a finger. I don't care to look back and be angry anymore. All I want is to be free. That's the place we need to be. We need to be at that place where we say, it's not really about pointing a finger anymore. It's just that I want to be free. You may say this. You don't know what I've been through. I've been neglected. I've been hurt. I've been rejected. I've been abused. Somebody always gets in ahead of me. And I've asked for help, but nobody will help me. Jesus knows all that, and he's asked the same question. Do you want to be whole? This guy keeps, no one will help me. Somebody always gets in in front of me. And Jesus does not go into a debate with him about that. The tendency is to give all the reasons why we can't be whole. The tendency is to give all the reasons why we're in the situation that we're in. And Jesus just says this. He says, man, just take up your mat and walk. Listen, I think there's something really important in that. If you want to stay there defending yourself, blaming somebody else, giving all the reasons, then chances are you're not ready to take up your mat and walk. If that guy would have continued in his line of reasoning, I think he'd have been laying there at that pool till the day he died. But he obeyed what Jesus said. Jesus said, take up your mat and walk. And he stands up and he does that. As we close, this is what I believe. I believe that our message have been inspired by the Holy Spirit. I believe that they've been point on for some people's lives. I believe that with all my heart. The emails I've been getting, the calls I've been getting would affirm that. And this is what I believe today. I believe today that God wants to bring wholeness to somebody's life. Now, here's the thing. We can have all of these reasons. We can sit around and talk about it. I believe in counseling. Courage counseling. It's wonderful. But I'm going to tell you something. God can do in a moment. There's times that God can do something in a moment that $120 an hour, twice a week, for the rest of your life can't do. There's some times where God just says, hey, just pick up your mat and walk. What are you saying is, leave that stuff behind. I got something else for you. A lot of times, you know, we can't continue to hold on to the stuff from the past and move into our future. Sometimes there's no room for all of the stuff from your past in your future. You have to choose what you want. Do you want to stay back there holding on to that? Or do you want to move into the place that God has for you? I honestly believe, as I said to you, that God desires to bring wholeness into someone's life. Later on, the man gets up and he he goes out. We don't find that this man, Scripture doesn't necessarily tell us that this man believed upon Jesus as his Savior. It doesn't say that this man had a whole lot of faith. He just listened to what Jesus said. 
And sometimes God does something in our lives that really doesn't even involve us. You know what I mean? Like there's times where God does something in our lives where we join with God. And there's other times where God just does something in our lives and we're just like, I didn't do anything for it. I didn't work at it. He just told me to stand up and walk. I couldn't do it before, but I obeyed. I picked up my mat and walked and that was it. Now, I'm going to say this to you. There's people who, when God tells you to pick up your mat and you walk, that you say, well, I couldn't do that before. If he's telling you to do it, if he's telling you to leave that stuff behind, to walk into your future, then he's going to give you the ability to do that. Later on, Jesus catches up to the man. He healed and he warned him to stop sinning. He catches him in the temple and he says, hey, stop sinning or something worse may come upon you. Now, as the Lord changes us, as the Lord ministers to us today, maybe for some of you, you carry, in your life, you carry shame. It affects every, you can't get close to people. Maybe some of you carry a sense of rejection. I don't know your brokenness. I know the one who does. But it's affecting so many relationships and affecting so much of your life. When God delivers you like he wants to do today, it may be in the past because of your shame or your insecurities, you've judged other people wrong and you've passed judgments on them and you say, well, they think they're better than me. You think that people are talking about you. You think that people don't like you. You, start, you know, we pass these judgments upon us. We think everybody's mean to me. Everybody's mean to me. Nobody appreciates me. When God starts to set you free, then you need to change the way that you think. You need to start saying, wait a minute, I'm a child of God. I'm precious and dearly loved. I'm a gift to God to my family. Oh my, you know, you have to say, my wife, she's, she don't like me. My husband doesn't like me. My kids don't appreciate me. You need to say, no, God gave me to my family. I'm a gift to them. You know, the, the judgments that you have upon other people, you need to stop thinking that way. Or the scripture says something worse may come upon you. When we don't trust in the Lord, that's really sin. When I'm looking at you and saying, because I feel insecure in myself, I look at you and I accuse you of being prideful or arrogant or accuse you of things. You know, I'm sinning against you. And I can't sin against you without sinning against Christ. So somewhere along the line, this has to stop. And I just believe today that the water's stirring. Now, I'll be honest with you. If I was you, I'd like want to be the first one to get there. Today, it may only be for one person. Today is a divine appointment for you. Today is a day in which God's going to bring healing into your life. You say, Pastor, how's it going to happen? God's just going to say to you, pick up your mat and walk. But what about all this? Dude, just do what he says. Remember whenever he told him to dip seven times in the river? And, he, you know, if he had dipped six times, he wouldn't have been healed. 
But whenever he stepped in obedience and dipped that seventh time, God healed Naaman the leper. And today God's wanting to heal somebody here. Now we're going to close, and this is what I want to just allow to you. I want to allow you in this place to be honest and open. Well, see, if I admit that I have faults, then that lets Lori off, that lets Steve off. It's not about blaming anybody. Let's Dottie off. No. And it's okay. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to have everything together. I'm still valuable, even if there's places of brokenness in my life. That's what a lot of us can't admit. We cannot admit, and that'll cause you to lose your family. It'll cause you to lose your friends. It'll cause you to lose relationships because somehow you have to be right. I don't have to be right. I can be broken and still valuable to God. I can have issues and still be precious in God's sight. I can have all of these things that have happened in my life that have hurt me and have devastated me and admit them and admit that I have my faults and and I have my failings and still be valuable to God. How can you do that? That's because God is bringing healing into our lives. If you're not a whole person... If God hasn't brought that healing, then we can't admit that we have faults and we have brokenness and we have weaknesses. Paul said if he was going to boast in anything, he'd boast in his weakness, that Christ's power might be revealed. As we open up our altars, this is a place for broken people, people who don't have all your stuff together, people who don't understand sometimes the reason why they do the things they do. Maybe you've been abused. Maybe you're rejected. Maybe harsh words were said against you. It's a place for healing today. And if you don't need healing for yourself, if you don't care, the problem is a lot of people don't care enough about themselves to get healing. They don't feel like they're worth that or something. The church needs you to be whole. Your kids need you to be whole. Your spouse needs you to be whole. If you don't, your grandkids need grandpa to be whole. They need to be healthy emotionally so that he can relate to them in a way that makes them feel valuable and cherished. But if you don't feel that way yourself, how can you possibly? You can't possibly love others in a way. The Bible says we're supposed to love others the way we love ourselves. So we're opening up our altars and I'm just going to pray for you. And then this, we're going to play this. We're going to pray that the Spirit of the Lord will move across these altars. And you're going to be confronted with this question. And it's not from Steve Ritchie. It's from the Lord today. Do you want to be whole? Do you want to be whole? Father God, we thank you today for the opportunity to to look at your word. We thank you for our relationships. We thank you for our families and our friends. And God, you know how we want to serve you. Yet there's some relationships that we just struggle so much. There's some things about ourselves that we don't understand. Why do I respond this way? Why do I feel this way about myself? Why do I feel this way when I'm with other people? Why do I feel this way when I'm with God? Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would simply ask that question. Do you want to be whole? And that people would 
make up their mind what they want today. And we pray this in Jesus' name.